Hello and welcome to the Overly Animated Podcast, where we take animation seriously. We talk a bunch of animated shows and movies here with new podcasts every other Wednesday. Find everything about us at OverlyAnimated.com. I'm your host, Dylan Heisen, and today I'm joined by Michelle Ander. Hello. And Alex Bonio. Hello. Uh, we are talking Infinity Train Book 4 as our main topic on this podcast. We're excited to talk about the unfortunate final season of Infinity Train. Unfortunately, it's the final season, but not an unfortunate season, as we will have many good say. things to say about it. Uh, <laughs> the unfortunate final I mean, I think that's how it's, it's The unfortunate it's demise. Like, uh, seeing reviews and stuff, it's like, oh, it's sad. It's the last season. Oh, but it was a good season. Like, we'll, we'll talk about yeah. the season in its own right. You know, we're going to sp- focus on it as, as a season. Um, and first... First, we have many things uh, to talk about that we have recently been watching um, in the world of animation. Uh, some A lot of quick hits to get through. So we're going to start there, but look forward to our Infinity, Dis- Infinity Train Book 4 discussion later in the podcast. You can find the timestamps for when we talk about everything if you're only interested in the Infinity Train to skip ahead, or if you want to skip ahead around the uh, quick hits we're about to get to, find that in the podcast description uh, wherever you are listening to this. Um, okay, so let's, uh, start with, uh, a bunch of different things. I want to note before we get to what we've been watching that, uh, if you didn't see our tweets, um, Miraculous Ladybug, uh, we are going to be probably waiting for the, uh, U.S. airings of season four. That's why we've not done a podcast on it yet. Um, however, uh, pl- our planned podcast, the next one after this will be the Shanghai special. So look out for Ladybug discussion next podcast where we'll uh, have more information about how we're going to be discussing season four. Um, that's something that is, uh, been airing various places around the world starting now. So that's, uh, something people have been talking about. We'll, we'll be getting into it later. Uh, okay. Let's, we're, I think we can start with final space season three, which we've not, uh, talked about yet on the podcast. Uh, we love final space. We previously talked about it every podcast. Um, and as of this recording, the first five episodes of season three have aired, uh, Michelle, how are you enjoying this season? I really, really like season three. I It's been a bit since I've rewatched season two, so it's hard to objectively say if I like it more. I do think it's making a lot more use of... <laughs> Just like character information and backstories and building on top of things we already knew in very smart ways, which is all I ever really wanted for this show. I always wanted them to take their potential and make something really deep and interesting and build on top of it. And it seems like they're really doing it so far this season. And it's just very exciting to see. I'm mostly just very, very happy with where we are so far. And I'm hoping we're going to do a full season podcast because there's like a lot to say clearly, but we can't really get into it right now. But I overall, I am very, very happy with where we are. I, I feel like they've really hit like a new stride in their show, like in terms of the writing and the the plot and just everything, character relationships, like it's all coming together. And I feel like I'm even finally at a place where like, if Carrie and Quentin actually, like, do stuff and do s- both survive this, I'm I'm pretty much 100% on board at wow. this point. And a lot of that has to do with the, some of the decisions they've made in season three so far. So I, I'm very happy. Nice. I never thought I'd see the day you're on board. I never did either. 
but here we are. Wow. Okay. So that's a high praise, especially that last part. That's very high praise for Final Space Season 3. Alex, what do you think? So positives. Um, I agree that uh, the Gary Quinn relationship has gotten a lot more palatable than it has in previous seasons. Um, I really like that Mooncake is more involved so far. Uh, that was a complaint of mine in season two that he'd been sidelined a lot, but like uh, he he's got he's gotten his action moments, his emotional moments. So I'm really happy that Mooncake is back in in the main crew. Uh, Tribor has had some good moments in, in the introduction of his uh, son. Uh, Quattro Nostra, yeah. uh, just speaking Spanish, you know, good bit. Uh, they've, they've had some, some good uh, humorous moments from that. Um, I'll say that it's some of the story stuff does kind of kind of lose me. It's admittedly early in the season, so like there, there's time to turn it around, but like uh, I'm still like very iffy on how they're handling Quinn as a character so far. Um, without going too much into spoilers, I think that trying to get into her backstory was not as effective as I hoped it would be. But um, yeah, the, 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 so far, I, I do still enjoy um, Final Space. I think that when it's going for funny, like it's, I think that that side of it, they figured out like the right tone for it. I know that's like always been a back and forth, like trying to balance the funny with the serious that this show does. And then on the funny side, they're doing really well. On the serious side, they're they're also doing well, but I think that there are still some details that need to be worked out. But we've got a, we've got a, more than half of a season ahead of us. Yeah, only the first five episodes. I think this is the strongest start to a season by far so far. Final yes. Space. Yeah, I'm super on board with with season three. Um, yeah, it usually takes Final Space seasons a little bit to warm up. So uh, I think the fact that this is already really good is great. Uh, the premiere I think was really great. Pro- still potentially the best episode. Um, and I, I was, I was on board with the, we just saw episode five. I was on board with the Quinn flashback stuff. That was my second favorite episode of the season so far. I just, and that final scene of, of that last episode is incredibly gorgeous. I mean, this show is just so gorgeous. Yeah, um, aesthetically, it's, it never it's stops the top being shows. pretty and having the best animation all the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, was, it was pretty amazing in that last episode. Um, and yeah, just in general, Final Space is like, I feel like it's juggling the most, uh, elements of any show we talk about. It's, uh, like an epic sci-fi show that also is like, uh, a serialized plot a bunch of characters it has a significant comedy component and also like horror elements now to it um so it's, this is a lot and i think uh, it is is juggling all those elements better this season than it ever has before and it's still only the start of the season so i'm very much looking forward to uh the rest of season three of final space um and yeah uh, I, I feel like that yeah could could talk about a lot more uh with the season and we'll get my notes so much stuff but uh, we'll see we'll <laughs> potentially see about revisiting final space let's talk uh let's move to amphibia season two check back in on amphibia season two that's airing uh we have uh the episode segments talking about here uh that we haven't previously talked on the podcast uh episodes 13 to 18 from season two so good chunk of the second half of the second season um, that we haven't yet covered on the podcast. So probably a ton of stuff that you both of you want to uh, hit on. But uh, Michelle, what's your maybe a few highlights uh, from these uh, several episodes from season two? I, mean, I could talk about the plot, but I just caught up. So like all that's in my brain is Bessie and Microangela. <laughs> and like, oh my God, the episode went so hard into like the, I don't know what else to call it, just like the old kind of Warner Brothers kind of over the top expressions and 
just kind of like the bits they were doing where like Michael Angela would go and get in trouble and almost die and Bestie would like have a heart attack and have to try to save him and just like she's doing her best but like Hop Hop like old shaming her I was like Hop Hop if you looked in the mirror like you're not a spring chicken you can't be like wow you're so old Bessie this is a fresh young snail but you're an old snail like you're getting up there like Hop Hop you're probably older than Bessie and he realized he was wrong at the end and he took her out of the barn. When he put the leash on her, I was like, that's like not allowed. She's a member of your family. You can't leash your family. That's not okay. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to refocus. But that episode was fantastic. Love seeing Bessie. Michelangelo is a part of the family. Now we have how many? Five? Five, six? <laughs> With Frobo, I mean, like the the family members just keep piling on, and that's that, that family portrait at the end of the episode was yeah, getting pretty so packed. <laughs> yeah, she looked over and was like, "Oh my god, this is the cutest thing!" And like maybe Marcy counts too now as a Plantar family member. Like she's been there for a while. I feel like Hop Pop's pretty close to adopting her. He already like asked her if she wanted to be adopted. In terms of the plot. I, I'm loving this. I'm a little shocked we've already got through all three temples, though. I thought that was going to take a while, which leads me to think several big plot things. But maybe I'll hold off till Alex has had a chance to also <laughs> talk and Dylan. But, like, there, there are things in motion that I'm noticing that I'm very excited about. Yeah, mm-hmm. only, only two episodes or, you know, four segment episodes left, though, um, of the season. Yeah. yeah, Alex, what are your highlights of uh, 13 18? Uh, well, yeah, I, I agree with Michelle that Bessie and Michelangelo is obviously an homage to the big dog, little kitty cartoon. The, the, oh, is that um, it? Specifically? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's that. It's, but and, and like in terms of the story, I, I, I was very interested about the approach they took with uh, handling Anne and Hop Pop's uh, relationship given certain events. Because I, I recall when After the Rain aired, I, I was a little bit disappointed with how quickly it, it, it went. But then the first Temple, which is the double length episode in this group, comes back to it and kind of fills in a lot of other other um uh, other things that needed to be dealt with in that in that relationship. So I think that as a grouping, it handled it, it handled it really well. And so I was just interested by that approach to handling something that needed to be uh, that needed to come back to because of the thread that they left in season one relating to that. Um, uh, Mar- Marcy is obviously a lot of fun to have in this in this team. You know, uh, um, her her energy is is really appreciated. Uh, Maddie and Marcy, I thought was a was a pretty fun episode just because like Maddie is a character that you know has, hasn't really been around since season one, and yeah. she's got she's got an interesting personality. So just matching up these uh, two characters together you wouldn't expect to hang out it was it, sim- similar energy to wally and Anne, really but like yeah <laughs> i agree um yeah, so and and the the sasha grime uh, plot which is like beginning to to um merge into the main the main story i think that that that's definitely setting up some interesting things that i'm sure michelle is uh, eager to theorize about yes. but uh yeah so, um the the third temple finally getting uh, getting all Three of them together in the episode, a big milestone in this in this show. Uh, very very happy to see it happen, and happy to see what um, how it all goes down in these last uh, three episodes. I think. Nice. Um, yeah. All right. Good. Good. Good season. Just want to shout out my girl Sasha. Uh, Barrels Warhammer. Sasha, amazing she's episode. Looking good. 
Um, these episodes, she looks amazing. Yeah, love her in Third Temple. Uh, don't be too worried; she'll turn it around. Uh, but yeah, the just, uh, sorely needed Sasha coming back from uh, me uh, in, in in Amphibia. But Michelle, any quick <laughs> theories? Uh, quick, okay, quick so theories. there's several very apparent things here. One, obviously, Anne didn't fully charge her stone, so that is the only thing that is going to save them when they go to Newtopia in King Andrew's so sketchy stuff, because we all know that's coming. But the second thing is, it seems like Marcy is kind of on board with some level of his deception. I don't know to what point, but it was just so telling at the end of the last episode. And they're like, oh, should we just try opening the chest? And she was like, oh, no, no. Like, no, <laughs> let's wait. Let's go back to Utopia. We don't know what could happen. Like, he told her something. I feel like it's very, it has something to do with, like, her wanting to be with Anne. And maybe with Sasha, too, just because, like, she was so devastated when Anne left to go to Wartwood, even, like, she, like, got it, you know, she supported her in that decision. But then, like, there was King Andrews, like, slinking in the background, like, oh, it's so sad to see friends go. But, like, I have a suggestion. His suggestion's definitely something involving her that she's not telling the other two girls and that's already a little suspicious but also like if we look back at the new sequence in the intro you have like Anne and Sasha fighting each other kind of like on the same field you know like they're they're equally fighting whereas Marcy's like holding the music box this giant monolithic figure in the background her back to the camera it just does not bode well for her motivations right now i'm sure it's like more complicated and she doesn't mean any real harm but the fact that she's withholding information is pretty sus and i'm sure that's going to play out by the end of the season it seems like they're really setting up that fighting with king andreas is probably the main plot of season three which i was not expecting but like with the the toads forming a, a, a whole army like, I, this is going to be a battle season. I feel like that's what it's leading towards. And I did not expect that, but that's very exciting. I My my predictions are that they're going to find out whatever sneaky stuff the king was doing by the end of the season. And also how Marcy was tied into it. And maybe, they're gonna, maybe we're going to have a falling out with Marcy. Like, what if? It could happen. And then the toads are going to try to take over Newtopia, and that's probably not going to go great. So... It's a lot of stuff. I feel like they're planning a lot for this season, and that's very exciting. I I am curious to see how it pans out, though. Yeah, very excited. Very uh, a lot of hype for the season mm. finale. True Colors. Alex, concluding thoughts. Uh, yeah, two two last things I want to get in here. First of all, I think that in this group was the introduction of Joe Sparrow, the bird that Marcy yes, rides. And uh, sh- shout out to the actual Joe Sparrow who won mm-hmm. an Annie Award uh, yeah. a lot for uh, character design for this show, very well deserved. And also um, the uh, the uh, final space we talked about, like their 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 animation is always excellent. Amphibia always sprinkles in these particular moments of standout animation in the the Sasha episode. <laughs> There, there's a moment where like the camera's like turning while she's running on top of this monster and like yeah. she's like pulling off a cape like they, they, they just always like throw in those like moments of like really extra animation and I always enjoy when when they when they make the time for that yeah I agree nice okay so uh we'll check back in on amphibia after the final two episodes very excited for that clearly a lot of hype about amphibia um let's 
talk about Invincible uh, now, which is a new show. I've not talked about it on the podcast before. This is on Amazon Prime Video. Um, I'll say before we get into any sort of, we'll be vague about it, but before we get into any specifics, if you have not seen Invincible and you are interested in checking it out, I would highly recommend watching it. Pause and just watch it right now, the first episode at least. Uh, it's better to know nothing, I think, going into the show. Yeah. Um, so that being said, it is, it is a very, uh, kind of violent and adult show as, as a warning. Um, but uh, I would say this show is, uh, kind of animated, uh, The Boys, which is another Amazon, uh, violent superhero show or like a young justice teen hero show meets The Boys, um, oh. is kind of what it's going for. Um, but kind of the shtick of Invincible is it purposefully juxtaposes those like clashing tones. Like you have your coming of age hero stuff and then you have your really violent, dark, uh, realistic kind of hero stuff that, that key, that's what I mean by the boys, uh, elements to it. Um, and, uh, pretty, some pretty incredible stuff I think has came about, uh, it's, uh, juxtaposing of, uh, these two elements of the show. Um, I think we think we're all, uh, watching Invincible. Michelle, what do you think of it? I I knew nothing going in. I don't even know what possessed me to try watching a superhero <laughs> show because that's very much a. Was it a, Steven Yeun? Uh, no, I didn't know he was in it until halfway through. Oh, wow. I'm like, who okay. is that? It sounds like Speckle. I'm like, well, if it sounds like Speckle, then I don't know who it is. <laughs> and, uh, and then the internet said I was right. But no, I, I agree with Dylan that, like, w- please watch this. Just just do it cold. It's the best way. Um, once it got to the end and I realized, like, oh, this is, <laughs> this is not going to shy away from uh gore um and just so much blood and innards and and then that's what got me interested because it's like oh thank god because the thing that keeps me away from superhero stuff is that it's like it's so frustrating when the stakes don't matter because you have these people that are so much more powerful than like everyone else and even if they get knocked around a little bit they're still gonna be fine and go home and sleep at night all butts are seem to be off with this show. So like it is so stressful at this point watching new episodes because I feel like anyone could just die and it makes sense because no one's impervious to murder. And I mean, even like there are people getting killed that are superheroes or close to death by people who don't seem that like objectively much powerfuler than them. So it's like it's really I love it. These are the stakes I always wanted. And now they're here. Plus, I'll just say like they this show has spent a lot of time on um, character relationships with each other. And those are evolving in real time. And. I love that, too, because it keeps like that's the extra stress. If it's not like, are they physically going to die? The other stuff is just like, well, who's going to like choose the, uh, the the more right seeming thing in this moment? And who's not? Because there's so many characters that are like, you know, they introduced them pretty OK. And now it's like, why well, are they working for the sneaky government or not? Like robot guy, what's the what's their deal? And you got the mom like she's super suspicious. And it's like, well, yeah, she has every right to be. But like she could also die. And what's that going to do to the son? And is he going to be more like his dad or his mom? And like, what does that mean for humanity? Because he's very powerful and his dad is grooming him hardcore to do very certain things and I don't you know there's so much up in the air and but like I'm so invested and that's a very much a testament to how 
how interesting they've made all these characters and how much work they've done having them interact and grow with each other. So, like, when they die, it's going to be really upsetting. But I think it should be. I mean, it's the best way to tell stories. So this is honestly, like, I think one of the best things I've seen in a while in terms of ambition and writing um, and just seeing it progress um, as a story. And I know it's based on comics, uh, so I i mean, maybe that helps or not. I don't know. But the execution so far has been really, really strong, and I'm very excited. I hope this gets a lot of seasons because I'm very invested in this in a way that I am not for other things. Awesome. Yeah, two, two more episodes this season, and then I don't know if it's confirmed, but I'm pretty sure we're getting more from Invincible. Oh, they got it, man. Sure. Like, there's so much going on here. Yeah, yeah. Um, all, yeah, that, that's that's great. Glad you're enjoying it so much. Alex, what about you? Yeah, I, I'm I'm very impressed with this show so far. Um, uh, the the the, br- the brutalness of it is definitely um, it it helps with the, this particular uh, theme. Um, the the mystery that they're unfolding over the course of these episodes is is uh, is very compelling. Um, J J K Simmons, heck of a casting uh, choice here. Like uh, re- really a. Uh, that that's the kind of voice you want for this particular kind of kind of character. That's like mm. everyone's yeah, on the outside is impressed by him, but also there's like uh, some weird stuff going on behind the scenes. Better J.K. So, Simmons, Invincible or uh, Infinity Train Book Four? Invincible, a hundred percent. We will get to Infinity. Okay, I'm very similar characters. You know that discourse already. Okay. Yeah, but so yeah, I'm really happy for for Invincible. Also. Uh, I think uh, relating to what Michelle said with the the, the character focus of it, I think uh, a good part of the show is that it does spend a decent amount of time uh, with uh, uh, with the main with the main character with uh, with Mark as just a human, you know, with like not outside of his superhero suit. And I think that 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 helps a lot. Admittedly, I'm not I don't watch as much superhero TV as I'm sure a lot of people who, who listen do, but like I appreciate having having a lot of time with the human side of it just so it's not all, all action all the time. So uh, I I appreciate that. And and I think that this uh, this show has done a lot better in emphasizing the theme of like, oh yeah, like what if like superheroes existed and like we actually had to be like scared of all the power that they have. Like Marvel and, and the DC, like the movies try to get into that but like are just like limited by the fact that they have to put action all the time like you can't burden yourself with thinking about the ethics of that for too long but the show because it's tv like it has time to deal with that and i think that it's it's uh, it's instilling that that kind of like dread pretty well in in a lot of different places yeah a lot, a lot yeah, of go- bringing up the ethics is a good point i think that is something that makes it stand out That's what I guess I meant by stakes. It's like, yeah, the ethics and stakes kind of go hand in hand. It's not it's not always great when your best friend ends up being a superhero. And maybe it does cause problems in your life you wouldn't have had otherwise. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I agree. I think a lot of what you guys are saying also applies to The Boys on Amazon. So I think you, I'd recommend the you boys. checking that out live action show. Um, so uh, yeah, I have, have seen it recently with The Boys, but Invincible is uh, great in its own right. And yeah, I think arguably the standout show of the year so far. Uh, really incredible stuff through six episodes of Invincible. I think the premiere is really excellent. Gotta, you gotta at least, I mean, if you can tolerate gore at all, you gotta watch the first episode <laughs> yeah. to see that final scene of the uh, of the first episode of Invincible really incredible. I also think episode 5 was uh 
pretty amazing. Uh, one of my favorite episodes of the year so far um, with Titan and uh, his story. Um, but yeah, yeah. T- ton of uh, amazing stuff this season. Invincible, potentially something we could talk about uh, in further detail on the podcast later. We will see. Um, <laughs> Dylan I, I, keeping everyone in suspense. Well, we haven't planned wanna, anything, so I, we don't know. I just want to say, I think the Dark Blood is my favorite character. He's like a detective demon person who just like kind of speaks so. in incomplete sentences. I, I, lo- I love it's him. It's Alex character. <laughs> Five is amazing. He's like all these dumb people. Like I just want to find the truth, so I don't have to live in hell forever. Like it's very understandable his motivations. And he kind of feels like he's in a different show because like, it's like all this like superhero <laughs> sh- stuff, and he's just like this detective working behind the scenes. Like I gotta get to the story. Like, you know? <laughs> he has a big tail. It's just it's really good. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on in Invincible. Uh, that is uh, that is one of the more random elements to it. Uh, I have some criticisms around that, but also in general, the show handles it amazingly well. Um, okay, so uh, we'll certainly at least check back on Invincible for the final two episodes. Excited for that. Let's talk uh, next. Solar Opposites Season 2 came out recently on Hulu. Uh, this is a show we talked about the first season of on the podcast, uh, a show by a lot of the people who make Rick and Morty, an adult comedy show. Um, we enjoyed the first season, but Alex, what do you think of season two? Uh, I think it's solid. I, I mean, I, I don't feel like there was as b- many peak moments as there were in season one, but like, there's still some fun episodes in here. I think the lake house device, the, the a plot of, uh, Corva and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, yeah, like, I, I can't even remember their Terry. character names. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I think that that's pretty fun. Like the escalation over the course of it. Um, I do remember Corvo, but not Terry. Terry's a much more normal. Corvo's the alien name. So like that one is different. <laughs> No, okay. but I, the, that's why I, I think that the emergency urbanizer is kind of like the uh, the the thesis of like we're just gonna do like a, a, as insane a premise as possible, <laughs> like see how long we can keep that up. I think it, it ebbs and flows in terms of its effectiveness, but like I just like the idea of like trying to hold hold that that premise up for the entire episode, uh, and uh, and like the the wall the wall is obviously the thing that people talk about with solar opposites a lot, like the B plot that like is is more emotionally <laughs> resonant with people, and I think that the, that part is still is still pretty solid too. I think it was it got less. Um, less screen time than it did in season one and honestly i think i prefer that because i'd rather keep it like a b plot like focus on the main point of the show which is like the all the pop culture references and jokes you can fit in a minute but like it's good to still have still have that silo as like a, a a palate cleanser every once in a while yeah i i really enjoyed solar opposite season two i thought it's a little even a little bit more consistent than the first season um the uh the the wall stuff uh i think in general i enjoyed it slightly less than last season but the episode seven uh where they do a similar thing to season one where it gets its own episode and it culminates Mm -hmm. um i love season two episode seven solar episodes it's probably my favorite episode of the year of any show so far i think it was really incredible really weird and uh they just go all in on it and uh you know similar to season one that episode is great too but i just really love this one um last two episodes are, are very good um i think we're headed in a great place with the show um random points good use of the pupa this season um 
Terry and Corvo are much more gay this season, uh, and you know, kind of explicitly so. It's like in a jokey way, but uh, they go there, so that's cool. Um, And uh, they use the term. I think the show's mo now is they use the term sci-fi a lot. Um, So that's 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 the the, 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 oh, there's a sci-fi weapon. Oh, we're doing a sci-fi plot. Yeah, so that that, that's what the show's about. There's a moment Um, where they have like a big sci-fi fight, and then they just put a post-it like Hulu didn't give us enough money to do the sci-fi battle or something. (laughs) Yeah, continuing the meta joke. Uh, we're getting a Christmas special. Apparently, that's real. So, yeah, very uh, good stuff from Solar Opposites season two. I, I think this is one of my standouts of the year so far as well. Um, so, uh, Solar Opposites and very enjoyable. Uh, okay, let's uh, briefly. I think we're past it at this point. Honestly, let's briefly talk about Promise Neverland season two, uh, which we have seen the entirety <laughs> of now. Um, you know, it's it's been a month or so since it ended. Um, I think I think I think we've covered it. But it'll just if if you haven't heard anything about Promise, here's the summary. Uh, so we covered season one. Um, in every week, we really loved this as an anime. Uh, one of the standout kind of anime season ones of the past several years. Um, that like roughly covered, I uh, what like a fourth or less of the manga or something that it's based on and then adapted it, uh, somewhat, somewhat straightforwardly. So season two, uh, it's the final season of the show and, uh, they, for whatever reason, we don't really know why they, uh, go through the rest of the manga. They skip a large part of it. They rush through some other parts. And so that's the resulted in, um, manga readers, especially, uh, being very, uh, having a very negative reaction towards the season. A lot of, uh, you'll see a lot of negative reaction online towards Promise Neverland, uh, season two. Um, I think kind of a split reaction, manga readers, uh, very negative. Uh, anime only more of a mixed reaction maybe some people are like it's way too rushed i didn't like it that much others are like uh, i thought it was pretty good so um that that's kind of the the general summary of promise neverland seasons do a lot of disappointment surrounding it personally i i did enjoy it i'm an anime only um i think it was uh, not as good as season one and certainly rushed at times but uh still very solid and i really love emma this season um among uh just generally it was like just like a fun show to watch alex quick thoughts Yep, same uh, anime only watcher. Um, definitely preferred season one a lot more. I think that's is season two. Like it has its moments. It definitely feels rushed in a lot of places. Uh, I I I'm disappointed by the sidelining of characters that I liked in season one, especially Ray. I feel like he has almost very little to do in, in this season, whereas uh, Emma gets all the focus. And Emma is a great character, and she's definitely got got some good good moments in this season. So uh, I, I'm I'm happy for her. But yeah, like the the, the rest of the crew. Get get some short shrift, uh, and the you know the the ending like it's it's it ends up being like oh you, you wish there there was more to like kind of fill out stuff, but that, that's uh, that's how the cookie crumbles. So, uh, um, well, I I would recommend Promise Neverland season one to many people. That was when I watched that I had watched barely any anime and like i still really enjoyed it so like no matter what i think that that's worth a recommendation and season two it's like at your own risk like i don't know <laughs> yeah i mean i think yeah i think if you haven't read the manga it's worth checking out for emma uh but your mileage may vary basically the summer yeah um okay there's there's season two promise to run. let's uh let me let me quickly talk about D- dota dragon's blood um which is on netflix an adult show um, it's, uh, Studio Mir, uh, so worth watching just for them. The Studio Mir does Castlevania, basically, their version of Castlevania, or, like, an adult oh. version of Dragon Prince, another way of saying it. Um, oh. very, very, very bloody, very dark, um, very hard fantasy, like, D&D 
hard fantasy. Uh, oh, and, boy. Okay. Uh, based based on the video game Dota 2, I did not play Dota 2. Um, I would say uh, it's kind of as a very obtuse mythology um, from my perspective, having not played the game. So I think if you did play Dota 2, I would check the show out um, because you probably understand it more than me. Um, but uh, <laughs> if you have not played Dota 2, I think uh, if you love Studio Mirror, if you like dark fantasy, I think it's, it's worth checking out. Some gorgeous, gorgeous animation, amazing action scenes. I think it's fun. Um, I don't, parts of it, uh, don't make the most sense to me. I think everything generally makes sense and it's very solidly made, but, um, I didn't feel like I had, um, enough information on a lot of things, which is hopefully coming in later seasons as they're making more of the show. Um, there's some fun characters. I love, uh, Fimran, uh, in the show. Um, so, uh, Dota, Dragon's Blood, uh, yeah, it's exciting seeing more, uh, adult, uh, animation, non-comedy animation. Um, so, uh, and this in, in, interesting entry being from uh, from uh, like a video game adaptation, and also Mike and Brian from Avatar were involved at a high level in the show, um, very oh, high cool. level. So the yeah, uh, in- interesting stuff from Dota Dragon's Blood, and I'll, I'll be looking forward to season two. Okay, opposite uh, type of sh- type of uh, thing, <laughs> but also on Netflix uh, is Arlo the Alligator Boy. Woo, um, Arlo. Which is a new um, musical movie uh, that just came out this past weekend, um, and uh, it's it's go- <laughs> the weirdest. It's a weird movie, and then also it's going to be a. There's a sequel show that's already come coming soon. Oh, there's um, a whole show coming. Yeah, okay. they're making it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, which I which uh, I'm I'm uh, heartened by. Uh, but uh, it, fun musical movie. Um, Alex Michelle thoughts. Um, Michelle, I don't know if you want to go. Yeah, I I feel bad because I I didn't have time to finish this, so I got to the part where he like steals the teen's car. So I'm assuming he makes it to New York. <laughs> yeah, spoilers. Like, he makes it to New York. Okay. Yay! I this is one question I do like honestly canonically have because of his birth bracelet. Uh, we know he has a dad, but maybe not a mom. Is his mom an alligator? And how do they give birth to you know? Have- White child. M- Michelle, I watched this movie. I cannot answer that question. You know, Michelle, there's a 20 episode streaming television series called <laughs> I Love Arlo that's coming to they, Netflix they soon. Better Maybe we'll answer. I want to know how that happened. Yeah, we, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of spoilers, but we, we did, you never get, it's one of the, I guess it's kind of maybe helpful to know. Some people get really invested in like, why is this the way it is and when the movie doesn't answer it. But, uh, no, the movie doesn't have a lot of answers at the end, I would say. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. It, it's, it's a simple. It's sort of reminded me of Earwig and the Witch in that, like you That's know, it's like of sort of a pilot for a TV show. It's like, well, okay, it ends in a place where, like, you're, okay, like a lot of stuff can happen after this, you know. Like, I guess that makes sense for a TV show. As it is, I'll say, I mean, the the music is very very fun. It's a it's a style that you know doesn't get a lot. Uh, you don't usually get in like your standard Disney musicals. So, like as someone who is not a, a really a fan of the classic Disney musicals, I enjoyed the, this movie. Um, I think that uh, the, the the supporting characters are pretty fun um, for for Leisha and Birdie, uh, chief chief among them. I, I think that uh, they're a good time. Um, the the story itself is the is a little straight, straightforward, you know, as to be expected from from the audience that this is aiming for. But like, I, I think that there there are some like fun like dream dreamy sequences in there, and and the mu- again the music is strong. So like, there, there there's there's a lot of stuff to like in here. 
Yeah, I had a lot of fun with Arlo. I mean, uh, I don't not uh, if you're looking for like story and and intense characterization. And no, stuff, not we're necessarily looking for here. music and, and yeah, pretty so animation. I, mm-hmm. Okay, definitely gorgeous animation with a really interesting, unique style. Uh, so yeah. I think that's one of the big highlights. And the music, I really love the music. I like I liked it when I was watching, I like, yeah. but I've liked it even more so since I've been listening to the soundtrack and uh, and uh, it's I have like uh, six, seven uh, songs hearted. I love several ones I really love from here and. And um, I am certainly looking forward to some of these characters who did not get touched on a lot in the movie being um, more characterized in the sequel show. Um, but for what it is, I thought Arlo was just really, really fun and like kind of a unique thing that uh, we don't see a lot of in terms of uh, just the unique style of the show. We don't get a lot of musicals like this. Um, so I, I would definitely recommend checking out Arlo. I had a ton of fun with this movie. Uh, I, I just want, want to shout out um, t- Tony Hale as Teeny Tiny Tony is is doing just the voice he's just doing the voice that he does for Doctor Psycho and Harley Quinn, which is like a weird. Oh, that thing sounds fantastic! About. Okay, <laughs> while watching this, we spent a lot of so, time with Tiny Tony in the movie. Yeah, he yeah, he, big he's, impression he's on fun. Alex. Yeah, <laughs> Tiny Tony, big impression. Yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> there you um, go. Yeah, the Tiger Girl is chief among the characters oh, I've seen more of. In, uh, oh man. I need yeah, to finish. Uh, yeah, uh, voiced by Marcy and from Amphibia, I think. Um, so yeah, with, uh, like, a lot of these, a lot of these characters looking forward to it. But Arlo's Arlo's really fun. I would I would check it out. Uh, also, after you watch this movie, you will certainly remember that people in New York City like to say, "Hey, I'm walking here." <laughs> yep, there's a whole oh, oh, shtick about that in the movie. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> It never gets old, Alex. It'll never die. Yeah, the joke will. Li- that won't. That won't age the movie at all. <laughs> I don't think that's an eternal joke. I think. It'll yeah. Be Everyone's always walking somewhere. It is yeah. eternal. I-, I will say a positive thing as well. Like B- Birdie is like a, gi- a giant girl, and like she's, her like story she's is that I got excited about. I was like, yeah, this giant lady. I want to know about her. Yeah, and I think that they do a good job of like juxtaposing her story with Arlo's of like not, you know, like not feeling fit in and finding family that accepts her, you know. It's just that 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 particular design of character, you know, large woman, like they don't get enough uh, um, representation <laughs> in animation. So mm-hmm. I, I was very happy to see her uh, po- uh, portrayed as a, a pretty big character in the movie. Question. Yeah. I mean, well, not pretty big, like emotionally. <laughs> I know. I was <laughs> in full senses. Did did either of you uh, ship Arlo with the lady? Does is that it, it, not it, good? No, I, don't, I don't think that's what it's going for. Yeah, oh, it, okay. it, it mostly goes for like brother sister relationship. Yeah. Aww, kind of okay, I think I think nice. she's like uh, old, several years older. Is, he's but, like fifteen though. Even though he, he looks is fifteen, like he's even five. though he looks he looks like yeah, it's true. Yeah, he's a little older crazy. than he looks. Uh, fo- follow me home is probably the standout yeah, sequence of the that's movie. That's the one and song. I knew about because I remember somebody posted it when it was still in the early stage, and it it the song slapped and the animation looked really sick and i was like what the heck is this so it'd been on my radar for a while but yeah, yeah. wash wash the herd away was my highlight i, I, I really like that one nice nice yeah a, a bit on the sadder side of the soundtrack but <laughs> I, side moments, I yeah. It. yeah there's a lot, a lot of good stuff in arlo okay and uh to to wrap up uh with the what watching just a brief final check-in on ruby volume 8 um which is not the not the ending we were hoping for uh in in our <laughs> i had a lot of positive things to say about volume eight uh did not care for the last three episodes or how the season ended 
uh, I guess vaguely there was a character death um, that was incredibly upsetting and uh, terrible. So uh, yeah, and it, in general, the, the where they're going, uh, the, the kind of shtick of the last episode or two, not a fan, uh, but kind of intrigued for what it sets up next season. But uh, yeah, not not a good ending to a uh, otherwise what was a decent season of Ruby. I still think Volume Eight as a whole, if you you know if you cut it off at the two thirds part. Certainly one of the better seasons of Ruby add in the last three episodes uh, leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Um, yeah, some people wow. seem to like it, but uh, yeah. Okay, there you go. Uh, that's that's more along the lines of what our Ruby podcast used to be like, uh, if, uh, uh, other than the, the positive things we had to say. Um, I didn't know... I didn't know they were allowed to kill people in that show. Yeah, well, at some point they were like, we're going dark with Ruby, and they started uh, occasionally <laughs> killing characters, yeah. And oh, usually we don't care, but... Uh, Time to stare into the void. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, there you go. That's it for Ruby. And so let's, uh, okay, on to our main topic now of, uh, book four of Infinity Train, uh, premiered last Thursday. Um, Infinity Train, a show we've been following along every season, and, um, we've now reached book four, which is, uh, the final season of Infinity Train. Um, as we have since learned, this was not planned to be the final season of uh, this of Infinity Train there were kind of four more seasons planned out um they even wrote the fifth season um but uh as of now they're not making any more we're hoping for more in the future we can talk about that more later but book four uh in of itself let's talk about that we are going to get into spoilers right away so watch Infinity Train book four then come back and listen to all of our thoughts starting right now um overall uh michelle what did you think of this season so i uh, i think uh my my opinion has changed a little bit uh the more time i spent with it i think the first time i watched it going completely cold in uh i was a a little surprised by how um comedic and upbeat it was just you know based on the last couple seasons. Um, I, I think there was like a, a viewer expectation for a certain kind of tone. And they were very subverted by this season. And I was like a little surprised that the climax was a little more low key um, than we are also used to. And so I kind of, I was like, okay, that's, that's cool. I guess I'll rank it fourth out of all the seasons. But then I watched it like three or four or five or six more times. And I think, <laughs> um, which I had to do with, for work. So it made sense to do that. But I think with every time I rewatched it, the more I was able to kind of let go a little more of the previous expectations I had based on the other three seasons and just kind of looking at it as its own singular chunk thing. And Looking at it that way, I, I actually, I really, I really like this season, and I kind of love Ryan and Min more than I mean, I like them more than Tulip. I like them more than Jesse. Wow. I like them more than I thought I would. But I think part of that is just because this season in particular spends so much time on their relationship together and how they they have to kind of confront all this stuff and grow and change together they can't leave unless they do that and like yeah every season's focused on relationships to some extent but this seems like uh the season they really zeroed in on it 
for a very large, like there are so many moments where they both just kind of like sit down and talk about stuff. Mm-hmm. And every time it gets to me and every time it makes me super emotional. And I just think that stuff was really well done and is part of the heart of the season as much as like the comedy and, and lighter tone is. And it worked really well for me. And looking back, I think it has so much rewatch value. So I I like it a lot. It has a place in my heart. And I think objectively, it's a very good season overall. Nice. Um, that's a very interesting perspective. Definitely going to follow back up on you having watched it many times um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> what that uh, informs. But Alex, uh, what are your thoughts on the season? Yeah, I mean, Infinity Train is just, it's a show that has such a high floor that, like, I'm pretty sure, like, if it went on for, like, the eight seasons, I think all of them would be, you know, good to great. So, like, this season is is good no matter what. But, yeah, it is uh, definitely a, di- uh, a different feel that to the previous seasons. The uh, the villains feel a little bit lower stakes than usual. The the ending felt a little bit lower stakes. The, the, the thing that feels like the strongest emotionally is when Mingi and, and Ryan are fighting with each other, which is a lot during this, this season. And it definitely hurts sometimes to see the, the, yeah. the, the angst that's going on between the two of them. So like, I, I think that they, they nail that per, uh, pretty well. Um, and, uh, and honestly, I, with, uh, with, with the usage of Kez, who's a, a big piece of the season, I think that that also contributes to the feeling of this being a little bit, uh, you know, lighter than the usual season of Infinity Train. And I think that that's not, that's not a bad thing. Like I, I mm-hmm. was, I was having a lot of fun with, with, uh, with that, that vibe. So like, it, it's, it's a fun season, of course. But yeah, like it, it's just it's hard when you have the outside context of like this might be the last season that exists and that the net season would have had like answers for people who have been waiting for, for those things to be answered for this to be the, the final piece. But like uh, uh, on its own, it is a, a, a breather season and I think a very effective breather season. Nice. Um, yeah, I know a lot of people have had that reaction of um, this like disappointing as a final season of Infinity Train. And uh, certainly, you know, you consider the circumstances not meant to be the last season. They're cut mm-hmm. off in making the next season. So not like the fault of this season. But also, I think a reasonable reaction, certainly, um, that a lot of people are going through. Um, personally, I, I, I really like the season. Uh, I think we're coming, coming off of book three, which was a lot. And so much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I w- I'm I was kind of too soft for book three. I got it like I was like uh, book four is much more my jam, honestly. I, I, <laughs> well, uh, good, that's good. Yeah, so I I was I was more into into what we're doing here. I mean, I think it's it's very impressive the show can do both types of seasons. Um, and I uh, to- totally get them doing the season after the last one. It's much yeah, much more low key, much more of like an interpersonal relationship season. That's like mm-hmm. totally my type of thing. I love it. Um, I love that it was more character focused. It was like kind of back to basics, Infinity Train, in some ways um i love season one so anything that's like remotely season one i'm gonna be into really liked ryan and min as characters and their dynamic um i i totally agree the season gives them time to explore uh this relationship in a way that i was very impressed by um and uh that's kind of kind of my main main reaction to the season uh kez i love kez are potentially my favorite potentially my favorite denizen we've ever had um so i think she's a really strong component to the season i think they had a lot of really great cars like uh train cars this season um 
the way they handled the backdrop of like Amelia's takeover of the train, I think was really interesting. Um, and, uh, I really liked that, especially knowing that this was like a transition into to them telling that story next season is the idea. I love that. Uh, we're not going to get to see it, but I love that idea. Such <laughs> and, a tease. Such a tease. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, I, I don't know if this is a hot take, but there's one episode that really, I love this season that really stood out to me. And that is episode one. The, uh, I love the first Ooh, episode yes. of this season. I think Good that choice. it is to me, that's like the, the big uh, temple episode of the season because of that three minute split screen sequence, mm, uh, yeah. which is totally my type of thing. And it was mm-hmm. so well made and uh, incredibly handled. And, uh, that's one of my favorite things Infinity Train has ever done, uh, going for the kind of that split, that split screen sequence. So I think there's a, a lot to like from, from the season, certainly more low key, um, than arguably any of the previous three seasons, um, in, in, in certain aspects. But, uh, um, I'm, I'm, uh, I was excited by what they're going for here. Um, yeah, I want to, I want to, I want to follow up with, with Michelle. So you, uh, you, you've, you've seen this more times than anyone probably so far, except for the people who made it. Um, so, uh, uh, but no, what if the question I had, uh, even before knowing you'd seen it so many times was just like, you've been sitting on this for, so you made, you made the trailer for the season, um, mm-hmm. if people are unaware. Um, so you've, you've had the season for long, you've been seeing the season for a longer time. Was there like, uh, a, a part of the thing, a part of the season, um, an aspect of it that was like, you were really excited for everyone to see or was like hard to like, uh, sit on and not tell anyone about? I I really wasn't sure how people were going to react to the tone shift. I mean, I, I had assumed this was going to play out differently because like, and I know Owen's talked about this, but I mean, I don't even think my team internally knew for sure that this was going to be canceled until like the last couple months of the year, if that. It, it was never really spoken about in terms of cancellation. And so I'd assumed that when it came out, maybe they'd wait a couple weeks and then announce that it was the last season to give people an opportunity to just like, you know, enjoy it without, you know, the context of knowing it was all over forever. Because like, personally, I would have assumed that was a better (laughs) way to experience it. But the fact they told people as soon as the trailer dropped, that was like basically the headline, that kind of amplified, I think, a lot of people's concern. And I mean, that is what it is. Press did what they did. Um, I'm not necessarily sure that was a discussion they had with other branches of our departments. But I mean, I think that does color your perception. And I I think some of the crew was also quick after, I mean, after that was out there officially to say like, yeah, like, we hope you guys tune in. We're still very proud of the season, but also like we didn't intend this to be the finale. So for better or worse, I feel like that might have helped in some ways for people not to go in completely blindsided by the different tone. Because um, the first time I watched, I was legitimately surprised. I adjusted, um... But that was something I was curious about. But it ended up probably not being something I should worry about. Um, I, I was more concerned about something else. But I guess we'll like wait till we get there. If we're yeah, it's a bullet point, so we'll probably talk about it. But over, overall, I really like the season. I do think like once you just see it for what it is, maybe easy, even like outside of the grander context of like the show plot and the stuff with Amelia, just like really thinking of it as Min and Ryan's story. I think that's uh, the the way I've enjoyed viewing it, 
it the most. I feel like it's the one season you can really do that because all the other ones really built on top of each other. Whereas this one, because it's a flashback, it's like it can kind of exist on its own. You don't have to worry too much about the plot because it's all in the past, you know? Yeah. 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 Maybe the most self-contained season rewatch on its own season. Uh, when you said something we're going to get to that at first, I was like, oh, Pig Baby. But I think, no, I think I know. What we're oh, in. God. I don't no, think it's I, Pig I, Baby. I assumed everyone would also be horrified by Pig Baby, but apparently some people really Ooh. like him. So <laughs> can you, you could, I mean, look, uh, like people? and horrified, you know, both. Uh, <laughs> Uh, no, and yeah, so Owen Dennis did like is done like a very long AMA on Reddit. Um, so I, we have a lot of information from that. He said he wasn't even told it's the last season until December of last year. So this is a recent uh, decision um, to to uh, make this the the end of the show. Um, and uh, you know, end of the show for now. Uh, I think you know a lot of a lot of um, fan press to get it renewed eventually. I think Owen is working on other projects now, so this is not going to be soon if we do get more Infinity Train, but I do think it is possible in the future. And if Young Justice can come back yeah, that, like that, was, that was my later, point. Right? Was uh, I think Young Justice is a good point. analog. It came back 10 yeah. years later. Um, that was a show that had like a cult following, I think similar to Infinity Train. I think this shows a lot yeah. of passion behind it. Um, so uh, I, I think this, this, this if any, uh, of any shows we've talked about on the podcast has the best chance of kind of coming back, I would say. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's important to know, like, not, this was not planned to be the last season. I understand that, like, uh, in some ways, this is kind of the worst season to have as the last one just because of fan expectations. Um, it's know, a weird I, place to end everything for sure. Yeah. If you end on book three, it's like, oh, that was like so much. Like, yeah, that, that's the end, yeah. right? Like, that was so much. Like, it, I feel like that's maybe better. Um, so I, you know, I get it, but like, keep in mind, uh, this is, this is its own thing that we're trying to talk about here. Um, which isn't to say you can't like dislike it as its own thing either. Like that's valid, but, uh, c- trying to divorce it from expectations as a last season, I think is certainly a valid endeavor. Um, which I guess we're embarking on here. Uh, let's, uh, let's, I mean, I think the biggest topic uh, that uh, we're going to be talking about throughout this whole thing is Ryan and uh, Mingi, um, because that's like 80% of the season, um, yeah. if not more. Um, I do think another big topic is like how the, this is the end of Infinity Train, um, so we can talk about that towards the end. Um, but uh, just kind of Ryan and Mingi and what they go through uh the season i think is uh it's it's uh i mean it's i'm interested like how much do we have to talk about it because the show kind of like addresses it they like have their issues they talk about it a lot of them are resolved they end up uh playing together at the end um yeah michelle what's i guess like what have you um what 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 have you taken away having uh, revisited um, their their journey? Like what what has stood out to you from uh, their them this season uh, to you? I think their progression is just very gratifying because if, <laughs> by episode two they're already kind of at each other's throats, which is like never fun to see. But I think Dylan, you already mentioned that like they have like a really good chemistry. You really believe that these are lifelong friends. Um, they really vibe with each other. and But they also have, like, a lot of baggage. And they're young, and it makes sense that they, like, you know, they're struggling to communicate all these things to each other, and it's really hurting both of them in the process. But I I mean... <sighs> It, it it's kind of it, like I feel like it's it was a little bit of whiplash like by halfway through right because like they make progress and they have like a good time like they they figured out how to bake the thing in the floating kitchen car and then it's like oh no now Min thinks that everything's Ryan's fault and he's the only one who has to learn a lesson like it, the flip flopping between like 
the character you're most like you know cringe and like just no stop it really goes back and forth because like at first like I know everyone, when the clip dropped, when you see Ryan basically coax him onto the train, everyone's like, wow, Ryan, like, sucks. I'm like, oh, oh, oh. just you wait till you see the full season. Because then Min, like, yeah, he gets on his high horse and he's very patronizing to Ryan, thinking Ryan has to learn all the lessons and that's it. But then Min realizes he was wrong, but then he can't quite apologize. So they're both just trying to figure this out together. And I think that's the thing that just, like, there's something really appealing about spending this much time seeing them struggle so much and like almost get there and not quite and then finally get on the same page and the fact that that's like not even quite the the culmination right because then it kind of moves into Kez's stuff with Morgan and their whole like I I'm really surprised that like honestly that that ended up being like the last thing we really talk about. But again, I think it's that has more to do with just like subverting expectations and like, okay, that this that, that's very in line with like the tone this season is and, and the goals it had. And looking at it that way, I I do think it's fantastic. Like when when Kez was saying like I didn't like mean for that passenger to leave. Like but like did I mess up again? And like it's men. The one who's been, like, the most angry, I think, <laughs> for the majority of the season, who, like, very calmly and, and cool-headedly is, like, you you messed up. Like, that's okay. Like, you, I think what you did was actually the right thing. Like, our numbers are supposed to go down. And he's, like, so supportive and chill. I'm just, like, oh, my God, the evolution. And then, like, Ryan, too. Like, he he feels a little more grounded by the end of the season. And he has a moment, like, he's the optimistic one. And he spent a lot of time in the, the castle, like, kind of being, you know, he, he was legitimately freaked out about living there forever. And he kind of, you know, he he stopped being optimistic and started being very pessimistic. And then Min kind of had to, like, switch roles and be really supportive for him. And it's just like, ah, it's so good. It's not, like, bombastic and crazy and upsetting and terrible like last season was. And that season was amazing. But I, like... I think I get what you mean, Dylan, by it's just like, it's really nice. Like all this character stuff's just really good. And the payoff's fantastic. And it's just like the fact that they did, neither one died and they both got to leave the train. They left the train on their terms when they were both ready and they get to actually do the band and travel to New York. And they're both happy about it. And they both feel like that was the right decision. It's just like, oh my God, it's such a happy end to a season. And I really liked having a happy end to a season, you know? Yeah, like book two. Love that. <laughs> yeah, like book two. That was a nice ending. I think there's a lot of book two parallels, but we can uh, potentially get to that. Um, Alex, Alex, what's some stuff that stands out to you about Ryan and Mingy from the season? Well, I, I uh, one thing I hadn't thought about that you until you just said it, like this is a much neater ending than <laughs> some previous seasons. And that may, may again, that may be another thing of like why this feel when, when you look back at the season, it's like that felt a little lower stakes, but because like it was able to be tied in a bow so so nicely. But like that 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 has its own merits. And I think that something Michelle mentioned, like uh, describing it as whiplash, but like the idea of like taking two steps forward, one step back, like that's kind of the thing that goes on throughout the whole season. And I think that that 
that is um, something you can point to as to why when they finally like are able to sync up uh, like their their feelings with the, with each other and their friendships and uh, by that time like it feels so good to like finally get them on the same page because you've like witnessed them like each like sort of being like out of sync with their progress throughout the entire season until the very end um, so th- I um, that that that. That's a, a, a dynamic that I'm sure annoys some people at the beginning, but like I think when, when you follow it through to its conclusion, like it does, it does contribute to how you feel at the at the end of like finally getting them to that point. Uh, I think also a nice thing with uh, with this, I, I feel like all main characters in Infinity Train have done this, but just like Ryan and Mingi really uh, like bearing their emotions on their sleeves, so like they yeah. both. They both have these like moments of like just like letting out like what they're feeling at the time and like is shouting and crying. Uh, I think Ryan at one point is maniacally laughing in a breakdown, uh-huh. which is like you know very relatable. Uh, <laughs> but, like, but like just it's like seeing them go through their different emotional breakdowns and like kind of like like let out like what's bothering them at the moment. But like that 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 stuff it, it feel it, it it feels earned given how. Like uh, how how the di- the different conflicts uh, happen during the course of the season, like them just breaking, uh, breaking and snapping at those different moments, like it, it, it's a, it's very effective and I think helps to uh, again that also contributes to like you feeling so we- so good when they finally are able to to patch thing patch things up. So um, I, I I appreciate I, I appreciate those those different uh, hot high moments of of them getting their getting their. Uh, their their regrets and their uh, their grievances out out in the open like that. Yeah, yeah. I think in in general, just uh, like again, how much time we're spe- is is afforded to spend with them just talking, arguing, or just discussing uh, in many different contexts uh, and kind of revisiting different um, aspects. Uh, and I think like Michelle and Alex have talked about, like going kind of back and forth through these uh, different dynamics of the issues that are kind of presented in the first episode and where their relationship is at. And I think the season is a great um, unit of vis- just kind of hashing out a bunch of issues that two people have. Um, not something that I necessarily expected Infinity Train to tackle like this. And I think that it's it's uh, really cool that this this show um does that it does that type of of storyline um i do think uh i rewatched episode one i think uh the season is very dependent on what's presented in episode one um i think it's worth worth rewatching that episode i think potentially i would have uh could have liked episode one to maybe even be two episodes um (laughs) uh like uh there's just you know all of their their situation and the realities and like um um, Min ditches Ryan at the like Battle of the Bands, and then Ryan comes back and like forces him onto the train, and like every everything that's going on there. I think it's like uh, all, all that's going on later is us uh, diving into all the all that's happened there. Um, but it's presented so well uh, in in that first episode. Um, yeah, Michelle, any anything you want to follow up on 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 uh, these high level aspects of Ryan and Min? Oh, I just think they're really good. And I agree. Um, the first season, it does so much to establish the relationship. Because they, they honestly don't spend a ton of time talking about, like, how much their their different family dynamics um, mm. played a role in, like, their personalities and the goals they chose. But clearly, it's, like, weighing on them constantly. And they talk about it a little, I think, especially when they're in the maze and a little in the bathtub, uh, which is such a good isolated moment. 
but I think I I think it's nice that I mean we I feel like we got just enough for the context we need, but we didn't spend too much time. I feel like the first episode was really tight. I appreciated um, that we got onto the train when we did. It felt like I because I don't know two episodes. I feel like might have been too long. It is, it is ten minutes not on the train. That is yeah, like pretty ambitious. Yeah. Which is a lot of time not on the train. Maybe more time than we've ever not spent on the train yeah. except for Tulip. So I yeah the the split spring thing is really I mean it must have taken so much time to coordinate because even if just you think about it like how do you plan where you want the eyes to go on which side like you have to be really careful about that so that you're watching the correct thing at the right time and you're taking in all the necessary information <laughs> instead of like pausing constantly and it's it probably was very difficult to pull off but it's such a nice ambitious idea and i think the execution was so good because yeah you you see how they're both like kind of doing things and they're both like equally not really happy like they're trying but it's not like something's missing for both of them and then when their hands both reach for the phone and then they they, they don't pick up the phone it's just like ah oh, you guys like as much <laughs> as i hate the train i kind of get why the train's like mm, i'm gonna probably intervene and maybe help this along a little bit yeah i love the way it ends with the, them at the door of the diner and then uh it kind of like uh they end the split screen uh yeah as, as it turns transition back it's transition cool. it's so it's so well done so good yeah it's, it's really so effective but my, uh, my experience watching that first episode, the, fir- the first watch, I focused almost entirely on the Ryan side. So then on the rewatch, I had to like, tell myself mentally, like, this time, look at the Mingi side. You already saw the Ryan side. So, like, <laughs> Ryan's side's more exciting, I understand. Yeah, there's more like rock star stuff going on. And Mingi is like, I got to deal with like college applications. It's not as fi- visually appealing, but it's like, no, that's important, too. I got to go look at that side, too. And uh, somebody mentioned Tulip. I think uh, something to point out here is that it's an interesting contrast to how season one deals with it, where like it, you get like the first like two or three minutes of Tulip's home life before you put her on the train, but then like in episode uh, eight or nine, you get the tape car, which is like entirely like, going through her her history with her family and like uh, you know like putting the pieces that you've picked up over the course of the season. Whereas the, this season goes the opposite direction, like just give it give it all to you at the begin at the beginning, and then. Like we can sprinkle in some extra stuff later, but you you've already got the ba- the big stuff from the from the first thing. So it's just a, it it did feel like a reversal of uh, of how they've done it in the past. Yeah, and I you know I think the whole season about uh, the two people hashing out their issues kind of together on the train. I I do I do totally think you need all of it up front um, in order to to connect to what they're kind of arguing about <laughs> throughout the yeah. the first several episodes. Um, and then that's pretty ambitious in its own way, just giving giving this whole situation up front uh, in for for animation, at least, you know, quote unquote, kids animation, certainly uh, very ambitious. Um, let, yeah, so some aspects of, of Ryan and Min, um, as we continue to talk about them, um, a lot of people uh, were anticipating uh, the potential for this being a romance. And a lot of people, I think, still view them romantically this season, I think is interesting. Um, I noticed in the AMA, Owen did not comment on this. Um, in other answers, <laughs> he talked about death of the author. So I think his position is probably like the text speaks for itself. So he doesn't want to talk about it. Um, yeah, Michelle, what do you, what do you think of uh, how this was handled this season? I assume this is what you were potentially worried about. I mean, I maybe worried's a strong word. 
because I also don't know what the <laughs> I still don't know for sure what the intentions are with them. I I I think I was in a weird place, and this happens with a lot of media still. I mean, I, it's like hard for me even as a queer person to not have like hetero goggles on. So just whenever I see anyone blush or like, you know, a firm hand clasp or just like looking into someone's eyes for longer than like a two second beat, I'm kind of like, it could, oh no, that's crazy. But, but maybe like, I don't know. Like there's a lot of second guessing that goes on. But by the end of the season, it was never explicit. So I was kind of like, okay, well then, all right. All right then. I guess it was just me. And I will say, like, I, I never, I, I tried really hard not to show any blushing or anything that seemed super overt in the trailer. But I did think it was important because, like, it's, it's all about their relationship to try to balance, um the like like the stakes of like how they're very confrontational versus the potential for things to get better um it was kind of a weird place to be in because and i think this is true for most people on our promo team because you have like you know you have marketing that gives us very specific things they sometimes want to highlight it depends on the the show but a lot of times they'll be like we want you to focus on like these characters and this kind of vibe and like you know all the tune and messaging, obviously. And then you have, like, the show team who makes the show. Um, and you're, like, somewhere in the middle. And you're trying to balance, like, what you think as a fan is going to excite people and make the most interesting story while also balancing all the notes from marketing. And from those two sides, like, you just do your best to just make the best thing you can. And the thing I was really nervous about was because I'd never done uh, a trailer before and I knew this season had a very different vibe. So I really didn't want to set up people's expectations that it was going to be like doom and gloom. And I didn't want to lean too hard into the dramatic stuff, like especially, you know, when like Ryan like almost leaves and like I didn't want to like end on the devastation of like, is he going to like, you know, so I tried to make it a lot more uplifting um in the second half and i honestly wasn't sure if uh my team was gonna go for that because it is like it's kind of more feelsy i don't know how else to say it and that's just something i tend to do anyway and <laughs> sometimes i get a lot of pushback but this time they were super on board i got pretty much no notes internally um the crew had some very minor notes but that was more about like um some shot selections they thought might be a little too spoilery so we just i just swapped those out but I kind of, no one, like, no one said to me, oh, this feels gay, marked for gay, question mark. Um, everyone was fine. And then it went out there, and immediately it seemed like a lot of fans were like, oh, could it be? And I, I was a little surprised, but also, like, I don't know how to divorce, like, trying to make something <laughs> that was balancing everyone else's asks with the thing I thought would make it feel like a good actual trailer and the kind of thing that would excite you to actually want the show. Because I do think, this is something I guess promo people don't talk about a lot, but I think our job sometimes is separate from like, you know, the show is its own thing, but editing is a separate thing. And the job of a promo person is to make the best thing you possibly can to interest people without, like, you know, lying to them. And that's basically what I try to do. I try, my expectations were, like, 
It's not going to be terrible and dramatic. It is going to have some emotional stuff in it. They have problems, but also there's potential that maybe things get better. Tune in and find out. Um, and from that, looking back, I guess you, I can kind of, I get it. Like it's, it gets really feelsy, and then sometimes you're gay and feelsy. But in this case, maybe that's not true. I don't. Yeah. Until it's explicitly said by somebody, I'm gonna assume that they're not in love. But like, I will agree 100%. My head canon is that they're gay and they're f- gonna figure it out later. Once they've been on the road for like five years, who knows? Their whole future's ahead of them. And I think the thing I always came back to when we were talking about this on the Discord after it dropped is like this show has never cared about romance in terms of people like passengers on the train like as far as we know like lake and jesse's never canon either so if that you know like grace and simon it's like there there is a lot of simon blushing and it seemed pretty implied that he had a crush but they never talked about it the show was not interested in exploring that and I think it's very true to them to also maybe not explore this explicitly in like infinity train fashion. There are a lot more things they wanted to talk about than romance. And on a level, I, I really understand that and think that's not a bad thing at all. So yeah. I don't know. Those are my thoughts. <laughs> all, all that's very interesting. Yeah. I mean, like I saw the trailer for the first time and I did. I was like, oh, uh, this is a ship trailer. I love it. I'm in. But like. <laughs> I will say, yeah. but like, I, like I'm gonna like who I am. I'm gonna do that if there's any two characters. I mean, that that's are, how I am yeah. too, and that's what's hard for me. Be like, I really didn't intend it to, you know, be a lie. It's just this is who. No, I am. and and <laughs> having seen so having seen the season, like I totally think that trailer is representative of the yeah, season. So like, I totally get it now. Like that was like a that's a great representative trailer of this like dynamic. That's like eighty percent of the season. Of course, the trailer is gonna be focused on that. So, um, that makes sense mm-hmm. to me now, having seen it for sure. Thank you, Michelle, for going into that. A very good uh, description on like the the responsibilities of uh, a person who creates promos for shows. I found that very enlightening. Um, you, uh, before before the trailer, there was even that that teaser of like just the garbled noise of like them saying each other's names, I right? Made that too. And you made that too. And yeah. I remember even from then, like when people were trying to decode the names, like, oh wait, these are two male names. Oh, mm-hmm. there's a season. Yeah, so people are shipping it even before. Yeah. yeah, even before the trailer, it was so. And I, I think it's just a thing where like people are so, um, like we, we've we've gotten lesbian relationships in in animation so far between main characters. That's been established. But like a male male relationship between main characters of a show, like that's still something that needs to be needs to be done yeah. and and so i think people are just really eager for that for someone to be able to take that next step in representation and so i think that because of that from the very beginning it's like oh two main characters who are close friends maybe this is the one that it just it doesn't it doesn't happen but like uh, i i think that, that that's also like something to consider when like like people are p- pin their hopes on a particular show like being the first to to, to get there yeah. I feel like they're not wrong, though. Like, honestly, speaking as a fan, like, if anything, this just shows, right, like, how, how much people want this to exist in some capacity, maybe on another show. Like, we, we have Benson, but, I mean... Yeah, Troy and Benson was the biggest one. Yeah, but, you know, that, that's uh, the biggest one. And, and Tr- Troy and definitely not a main character. Yeah, so, he's, yeah, he's, like, in the main cast, but he's not the main character. I think, like, hopefully it's just a matter of time. But clearly people obviously want this. That's the lesson we can take <laughs> away. And that's valid in its own right, to want it to exist. 
Oh, yeah. By the way, Michelle, can you can you just confirm like the full line that was garbled? Because I don't think I, we got the names. I'm not sure <laughs> anybody actually ever decoded the full. I mean segment. that no people guessed it. I oh, mean, they did. But, okay. Yeah, they're well. I think everyone thought Mingy's name was Billy because of the gargle, but that right, I mean, right. they just say like I'm Ryan. This is me. Like I'm Mingy. Oh, Ryan. Where right. are we? Which is what they say um, at the beginning of episode two when they're on the iceberg when they're talking to kez yeah yeah, yeah. he introduces both of them okay so. okay <laughs> yeah um yeah so i i like you know i had the the fan perspective on it was like ship trying to ship it from the beginning i will say having watched the season um i unfortunately did not read this as romantic um between them. yeah yeah. Good, good for you, question mark? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and I will say, uh, I am a huge Lake and Jesse shipper, and I did read that oh, season as romantic. Yeah. Interesting. I thought that was much more romantic than what we ended up getting from Ryan. <laughs> and, um, I I agree with what Michelle said. I don't think Infinity Train is trying to do romance. I think that's yeah, the biggest they're, takeaway. They're very not interested in that as a main focus ever, which honestly props to them. It's so tempting, right? So tempting to just fall into romance on the show you're making, but to deny that and to focus on the deeper interpersonal relationship hot mess is going on. That's the yeah, that's what I like <laughs> more. Yeah, a lot of lot of definitely a lot of people are gonna connect with that. I'm I'm eager for romance always, but uh, I still like what they're doing here. Um and you know, I think with Lake and Jesse we did hear word that they weren't intending that to be romantic. Um, they were probably, or they weren't. We're not, we're not. Oh um, wait, really? <laughs> That's what I've heard from at least some crew members, but I don't know if Owen specifically talked about it, Lake and Jesse. I mean, yeah, you know, you've me shipping it a ton and other people shipping it a ton, but uh, I think, I think, I think that's what I heard from, uh, I could fact check that, but, uh, probably Owen's not commenting on any of this. And then, you know, like, uh, in, in book three, um, Simon's crush, I feel like that's the most explicit thing we've gotten. Yeah. Yeah. But again, it's not like an active romance happening. It's just like a, a, a feelings, a component of feelings. Mm hmm. Um, that I think was really a really interesting uh, addition to that season. Um, yeah, I, I feel like they're not going for romance here. Um, but I, well, I you you've been would. saying like it as a component of feelings. I feel like you know maybe in my head canon for book four, that's all it is. It's a component of the the larger relationship, but it's not like if they even did fall in love, that would solve the train for them. It's much more about everything else going on, and that's. I mean, if that did happen for them later, great. But that's not the point of them being on the train. Right. And may maybe it's a component of their kind of, they have like latent feelings and they haven't explored that yet. That could be, that could be a thing. Um, I think, I yeah, that'd be more plausible. Totally like maybe later. Um, but I think, I feel like the thing, the difference between maybe Lake and Jesse and what this season is going for is there's an established dynamic that this season presents between Ryan and Min from the first mm -hmm. episode, which is like, they are childhood friends from the time they were born. We yeah. know what's up with, we know what's up with them. Um, not to say that there can't be romance there too, but it's like, there's an established dynamic that is not presented romantically. Something like Lake and Jesse see, feels a little more open. These are two people meeting for the first time. Um, that this is kind of my perspective on it. Like, may, like we don't have this kind of established non-romantic dynamic to, to base our uh, interpretation of the characters on. Um, but with Ryan and Min, you know, I, I, I think people might, uh, I don't know. I haven't seen all the, the entire fan reaction, but it's like, people might like ship it and think like, Oh, this could be romantic. I feel like it's probably not going to be seen as predominantly presented as, as romantic. 
Um, I feel like the season clearly isn't isn't going there. There's blushes. Um, and in episode one, there's like one blush that I feel like is the most we ever got in terms of like potential romance. But blushing is clearly like presented as multiple emotions throughout the season. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it's like it's disappointing, but I like what we did get between the two. Yeah, that's the great thing, in right? Its own right? It's like even if it wasn't even if you were expecting something to turn out a certain way, I feel like no one I haven't really even read anyone being super, super disappointed to the yeah. point where they feel like cheated out of it. Because once you get all the context, you understand um, what, <laughs> what the intentionality was, I assume, with the season progression and the crew. And it's still good, right? Because, again, it's like the, these two characters' relationship to each other is still the heart of the, sh- the season. And what we get is still really good. And it's fairly nuanced. And I feel like you can take from that what you will. Yeah. I, I And, yeah, I think, I think it's – I would be really interested in, like, a season where it's like here's a couple or two people falling in love on the train yeah. or something like that. I think that could be really interesting. Like, if they just really went hard into a romance season, could you imagine? I feel like since they don't, since, like, their default is no romance, if they were going to, it would be, like, clearly the point. Like, it's like, this Yeah, no, it would be the point. It would be, be, like, so, like, because we do know the names of the next four books if they ever got made. And one of them is, like, guilt. Maybe it's a romance guilt season. Like, could you imagine the the hot Yeah, I think there's, like, an emotional summary, I guess, is what we got from that AMA of the seasons. Yeah. Um, But that would that would that would be yeah i guess not next season i don't know if the amelia and uh the 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 book three follow-up season hazel i don't know if that would be its own season but it's like i don't know how much time do we have but but so he said book six would have been its own character it's yeah a new character i think yeah, yeah. Um, amelia and Ulrich are the biggest romance of Infinity oh that's Trade true so we far. did get amelia and Ulrich. they're the only ones that are romance but then he like died so now yeah it's it's kind of sad we never talk about Ulrich anymore. It's so sad. <laughs> Season five probably would have done this. Man, I really yeah. Like Interesting. That's been like her whole life. I just want her to be able to move on and be some semblance of happy all the train. Yeah, yeah. I, I, would like, I think the number one thing, I mean, we'll get to this in a, in a little bit, but in the probably number one thing is like more Amelia uh, that we're missing out on from, from the last, the last few seasons. Um, but yeah, so yeah, that's, it's, 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 uh, what we got in its own right from Matt Ryan and, and, and Min is great. Um, and, uh, is, yeah, I think I think that's a, that's a good discussion. I would be interested to hear people's uh, opinions and reactions to that um, if they want to leave comments about it. Um, but like the last aspect, I think of Ryan and Min, um, other than the fact that they're Canadian, which is not a bullet point, yes! um, which, which I thought was uh, a lot of stories. Uh, we got that. Sorry. I noticed that. I think somebody um, uses hosers at some point. <laughs> like, I didn't notice the hoser. Is that like posers, but in Canada, what is hosers? Yeah, pretty, like, pretty much. I think so. Yeah. Um, there's some Canadian, Canadian jokes. You're a bad Canadian. Yeah. It's, 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 it's fun. Um, but the fact, the fact that Ryan and Min are Asian, um, and, uh, Korean and Japanese, uh, for Min and Ryan, uh, respectively, um, a, uh, big, uh, facet of the season one that seems, uh, especially like, uh, relevant and important in our current culture, uh, cultural climate with a lot of, uh, like anti-Asian sentiments and violence going on. And so I think it's great that, uh, the season is coming out when it is and people are seeing these characters. Um, and in terms of like how it's presented in the season, I think, you know, a lot of episode one, we get a lot of their background and their parents and we get some of that. So I think that's an aspect of episode one. Um, but we do get to see them explicitly talk about it, at least in one scene in episode six. Yeah. Um, it's a good scene. When- 
Yeah, and when Min says uh, basically like uh, part of his, uh, he never like took it seriously, like kind of the dream, like of them being rock stars, like Ryan did, part partially because he never saw any like Asian Asian rock stars uh, growing up, um, and so we get like a conversation of like representation and um, how that how that impacts young people and and what they what they see as viable in their futures and uh, i thought that was a pretty wonderful scene and uh liked i like them being explicit about uh these types of things at least at least in that one part of the season they briefly reference uh yellow magic orchestra in that conversation which mm-hmm. is a, ja- a japanese rock band uh, i'd never heard of them before this episode so i'm glad i learned <laughs> something there. nice yeah broadening our awareness of other music yeah, uh, season taking place in the '80s, uh, so I guess a few, a few '80s references as well. But yeah, I think um, uh, you know we we don't get uh, queer men. Uh, we do get uh, still in its own right, extremely important um, to uh, Asian leads in a television show, which is is pretty rare these days. And I think was, yeah. was pretty well presented by the show. A lot of I just noticed a lot of fans getting so excited about that as soon as the trailer dropped because the, the the poster didn't come out till I feel like three weeks later. So that was really the first time anyone saw them. Um, and I it, it was like I could tell like it made <laughs> it really mattered to people because like obviously yeah. it would, but it's just like you know they they didn't know much about these characters but just even seeing them um on a major network it it ha- it made them feel a way and that's so valid and it is important yeah definitely yeah um uh, any other i guess any other comments about Ryan and Min as we move into uh some quick quicker hits on other aspects of the season and we can continue to talk about them as they come up um from uh, these other discussions. Yeah. yeah, let's. Uh, yeah, how about Kez? Uh, we, we've referenced uh, loving Kez. Um, Kez! Yeah. Alex, what was your reaction to, to Kez this season? Uh, I thought Kez just had a lot of uh, a lot of great lines, a lot of zingers. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, and, uh, um, like, they, they, they tried some emotional stuff with her near the end, and like it, it, it pales compared to what Ryan and Mingi are going through. But like, I, I think that it's nice that they like try to give the Denison some some extra extra stuff on top of just being comic relief. So I, I appreciated the effort. Uh, but yeah, just like the way that she like like tosses it. Well, the fact that her personality is like kind of brushing everything off, and then they address it at the end of the season, I thought was was yeah. pretty well done. This is like, hey, like this is funny and all, but also we kind of have to recognize that this is a kind of bad behavior too, you know. So it's like, I, I, I thought that it all, it all came together pretty well, and just, uh, yeah, um, and uh, shout out to uh, Minty Lewis who voices Eileen in regular show. I, I, I'm glad to uh, have have her um, doing doing good work for for Kez there. I feel like Kez's arc of like. Uh... I I'm just going through the train. I don't really care about anyone else. I only care, my, uh, care mm-hmm. about myself. Like this is like totally tracks for what a denizen's experience in life in this like aimless <laughs> infinity train yeah, might be. It so does I, I, check I, out. So I feel like I feel like Infinity Train always does a great job of like what is not na- what naturally might come up in this ridiculous uh, circumstance of this uh, infinite uh, train that is trying to change people's lives. Like what circumstances might come up, and so it's like Kez is like the latest in line of like what if there's like these inhabitants of the train who are conscious and like uh, sentient in their own right. Like what what is uh, what are their lives going to be like? How are they going to be treated? And now it's like what are, what are their experiences like? And I, I think um, Kez is a great 
next uh next notch on on the denizen journey we've been going on that's probably that's probably one of the biggest things I'd lo- i would have loved to have seen more of um from the last half of infinity train would be like what are we doing with denizens um because it is one of the most interesting things i feel like from the show. lives i mean ever since kick the toad i just i, I had <laughs> such a complex now about denizen rights and how much the train owns them or how much they own themselves and if they live on the train or in different worlds it's so messy but i hope we get more conversations about denizen autonomy i i agree yeah like lake lake is great um and her experiences in that season i think we could totally do a follow-up to this um uh, yeah, Kez was just really funny and fun and a great, I feel like a great compliment to the heaviness of, of Ryan and Min's journey at times. Did anyone else get like Beatrice vibes from her? From oh, yeah, Garden from Wall? Garden Wall, yeah. Just I like she totally. has a similar kind of humor, I feel. And then the whole like, oh, I'm going to lead you somewhere nice. Oh, just <laughs> kidding. I lied. <laughs> oh, I loved it. I honestly loved it so much. Yeah, I'm not. I won't uh, reference what that uh, ending of, of Garden Wall, what that might mean for Kez. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's that's totally what they're going for with her. Yeah, I, th- I just thought she was so much fun. I don't know. I I, t- I connected with her uh, more than any of the other like uh, mascot denizen character that we've gotten so far. I, I mean, well, what one one is like a dry, uh, with much drier humor, you know. But like, I, I yeah. feel like Kez is the closest that we've had to that kind mm. of energy because, like, you know, Alan Dracula doesn't really speak except for the one episode, and uh, um, the, the great Grace, well, Gra- uh, Grace and Simon had Hazel, so like that's like a totally different level. But yeah, but uh, T- yeah. Tupa. Yeah, too too bad. Like, like has brief moments, but yeah, Kaz is like talking a lot in this in this season. Thank you for not killing Kaz. Um, that was, <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, no, and then yeah, I guess Kaz is the hotel concierge bell. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so this, this show's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Accurate. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, about that, the whole uh, Morgan, the castle, uh, Jeremy situation um we've we've talked we've referenced it but uh very interesting uh way to end the season i i see it more yeah. as a little bit more of a, dra- a backdrop um it takes the forefront but i still think it's like an emotional backdrop to ryan and men's experiences um for even sure then. um but uh very very weird uh direction for the season I was shocked that we spent like three episodes in that castle. I was like, this is a lot of time on this lean show to spend in this castle. I mean, I, I like what they did with it, but I was a little like, oh, I do feel like it, it kind of slowed down. Not that slowing down is a bad thing, but like I wasn't, I don't know, when they were on the run from all the people chasing Kez and they were jumping from car to car, there was a certain momentum they're keeping up and then once they get to the castle and they stay there for like three episodes it it does kind of shift a little i think yeah i think so i i will say i think the gut punch in episode nine um learning about the the jeremy backstory with the car accident um i think that was like very affecting um considering yeah. this, this season didn't have those dark elements like last season when we do kind of get something references to death and like really terrible things i think that that did that uh had a big impact uh watching the season and like morgan's a really good case for denison's feeling used by this train process right 
because Morgan's whole thing was like she I don't know if Morgan has pronouns Morgan connecting to Jeremy it was like they appreciated that he he was like upkeeping them right like he was taking care of like the armor mm-hmm. and like keeping them nice and he was there for years so they built a real relationship and then he left and one that sucks for your friend to leave and you not know why but two it's like the role Morgan plays is this just house for people to come and go in. Like, I, I do think they felt very used by that situation and probably made them very turned off to any new passengers coming in, trying to get through to the next car, you know? And, and who's to say that's not how a lot of denizens feel yeah. deep down when they're just pawns in the train's master plan to teach human beings lessons and they just don't matter. I try yeah. not to talk more about that, but it is a really good case in point. <laughs> th- Morgan's think... feeling it. She's feeling the dark end of that situation. Yeah, I think that's what they're going for. I think that's pretty interesting. Uh, yeah, so even if, even if it's like a weird uh, direction of the season, there's totally some interesting concepts in terms of the overall Infinity Train um, arcs that are going on there. Um, other qu- quick hits through the rest of the denizens. We get uh, the Moth Judge. Um, <laughs> from... Oh. Yeah, this I was Marco, I, right? Marco yeah, Marinda, yeah, yeah. I think she, I think she was great. She the did judge. a good job. Uh, certainly, it's like weird how these characters are handled uh, in being <laughs> these like long term uh, villains throughout the season that come back. I think it's it's pretty fun, but uh, yeah, you'd moth judge, you had pig baby as producer reference, and his mom, the cow creamer. I don't think it's a small. I don't know what. I don't know. It's just a cow that's there. Yeah, caretaker. Caretaker cow creamer. I guess. I guess in that episode, eventually she's like, uh, "Then you'll become the new pig baby, right?" Isn't that something that happens? Yeah. That was the horror. That's the horror drop in that episode. That that (laughs) is the horror. Oh my god. I must have boxed that out. I love that. I love that. <laughs> well, because it's hard to think, like, w- would it just be, like, Ryan the Giant? Or would he actually, like, transform into a pig over the course of it? You know? He'd have a diaper. Spirited away style, pig. becoming a pig. And he'd have the door in his mouth? It'd be a whole Ugh. mess. Ugh. Uh, I, I Put me on board for loving pig, baby. <laughs> Oh God! Uh, have, okay. have, have fun on that island. Uh, like, I mean, I'll, to I'll... be fair, the crew seems to also really love Pig Baby, so you're not alone there. Look, look, look! Add Pig Baby to our cursed characters podcast that we're planning. <laughs> okay, like, this is another place. example of a. There, we're going for a super intentionally cursed character. Oh my God! So cursed. Uh, yeah. The the look. I love the 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 less the fans like the curse character, the more I like the curse character. So that's that's my wow. choice. But so like, okay. it seems like people are horrified by Pig Baby. So I I'm oh, thank goodness, because I was afraid I was off in my own world where I was the only one who was completely put off by Pig Baby. Uh, I think other people will be put off. It's <laughs> very I, funny I, I, that I they got J.K. Simmons for that. Yeah, I can't get into a character that kind of wastes J.K. Simmons on a character that half his dialogue is crying and screaming. No, yeah, not J. a waste. It's Simmons a... <laughs> saying "wah" over and over. <laughs> yeah, you know, that combination just made me extremely uncomfortable. Look, if we get uh, him as Omni Man, then we also get him as Pig Baby. The trade off. <laughs> this is the make. that's the no, monkey's uh, paw. Co- I, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. want karma to work like that. <laughs> that's how. That's- <laughs> That's how voice acting industry works. Like that's uh, how contracts work. Yeah, now we've learned. Um, no, he's the fact that he's willing to voice Pig Bay is very funny. Um, 
but uh <laughs> and the, the cow creamer okay how about the the um, more of a fan favorite the weird hand mo- shadow monster that um, was what i thought was like the the one horror part of the season like care because like horror has always been i feel like an element of infinity train that they sprinkle in uh, at like a couple of episodes but like th- this is the only one that i felt for for this season and it was very very good you know like the co- the coldness around the, that it, it in imposed on them and just like the design of just a bunch of hands stitched together uh i believe its official name is the docent because it's like taking care of the museum sort of thing but uh yeah good 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 monster um uh yeah yeah i think that's a great episode the art gallery uh car um and that's that's a really really fun part of it um, uh, and, and also with that car, I mean that's also I think my favorite episode of the of the season. The 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 way the, the way that they get out out of the car of like you have to look at the dangling things mm-hmm. at a certain angle to make Change it look your like a door. Yeah, that that's honestly one of my like favorite usages of a, a train car, like like a, a very creative way to like get out of a situation. I, I really like the the way that they they handle that. Yeah, I think there's some great cars this season. I think that's a great car. Um, I really like the Eons, the changing Eons car in episode two. Yeah. Um, I think that that was really interesting. Um, the uh, you think the Q car, this the space the space club. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was an mm-hmm. interesting one too. Um, so yeah, Western I don't know. car quality over well. quantity, I guess, because like this is yeah. probably the least amount of cars that we've gotten in this season, right? Usually, I feel like usually we have a sequence of going through a few different cars, fast pace. I don't know if we got that. We did not get that, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm I'm cool with it. Um, we uh, I, I feel like that matches matches what we're going for here, um, with the the to the tone, the character focused slower tone. Um, the me- mega maze that was pretty interesting too. Um, <laughs> and uh, even though it's like apparently the castle built the maze as like a defense, is that what we're going <laughs> for? Oh, maybe. Oh, yeah, because uh, Kes is like, oh, I don't remember yeah. this being here last yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, interesting, interesting stuff. Um. Look, uh, how about the uh, we we reference this being uh, tying into the overall mythologies of being a prequel season? We see Amelia's takeover of the train in episode nine, kind of happening off screen. Mm-hmm. Um, in in general, we see younger versions of Amelia, the younger cat, and we see past one one. Who I guess is just one. Um, and uh, I think one of the most interesting things to me that we learn is that there mul- there were originally multiple conductors um, in in the train. And then I guess Amelia got rid of them. Most of them is wait. Is can you explain that? I don't remember that. When did that happen? Um, I don't think it's it's super spelled out, but uh, I, I feel like we see two two conductors here, right? Uh, we need the frame by frame shot, please. <laughs> yeah, can you show me? <laughs> well, there's there's a conductor that comes in the play. I'm looking at the notes here. Okay. Um, so uh, which we we see that the, which episode is the the takeover and it's in um, chapter nine in nine yeah. yeah um well the so first they get their stuff back which I guess Amelia gives them all their stuff back that's part of it another part of this is the grav the grav boots like the gravity boots and then like the standard issue uniform we learned that about the past uh, that being a past pre Amelia element of the train um and Amelia takes off their boots 
Um, that's something, but the conductor, oh, the conductor explodes at the end of episode nine, right? Um, so the conductor, the, the conductor that's there, it takes oh, off their shoes, then it right. explodes, but mm-hmm. we still see conductor later. So clearly there were multiple of them, I would say. Um, so or my interpretation, just build them really fast. Maybe they Are built a new one. My- so, I mean, it's so confusing because one is technically the, like he's the one controlling. Right. So we learned robots. he was the conductor. Yeah, yeah. I guess they're just robots. Yeah. Okay. I mean, conduct conductors like season one lingo for it. Yeah, yeah, but uh, <laughs> very season one lingo. Yeah, uh, but my interpretation was that there used to be a bunch of them, and one used them as like uh, just like it's for keeping upkeep train upkeep or something. I don't know throughout the train. Um, Some separate and then, job than the stewards, I guess. Yeah, and then Amelia gets gets. Uh, there's the, we just in general, it's just like here are the effects of the Amelia takeover. I think is what we're going for. This does explain why she literally climbed up into one in the first season because she's basically mimicking one one, not just being a weirdo with a robot. That makes a little <laughs> more sense in retrospect now. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think I think this is the sort of thing that we're gonna get spelled out more uh, in yeah. season five uh, in ten years when we get that. Yeah, so. I like that you're talking about it like it's definitely happening. <laughs> when the or when the script leaks online or something, you know, that's when we learn about those. You know, the, the, hopefully until like uh, when we get season five. I, th- I think I think it's there. I think it's like vaguely presented, intended to be followed up on soon. Well, one thing I want to ask while we're like talking about this stuff of like kind of seeing the prequely stuff. What do you th- uh, just throwing this out as a thought experiment? What do you think would it be like if, like, someone you're introducing someone to Infinity Train and you showed them this book before you showed them book one? So because, you're saying you want the the Infinity Train machete order? Is yeah, that what you're saying? Yeah, because like the thing is, this season I feel like is probably the safest one for children because like it's the it's got the one art museum stuff, but like other than that, like it, again, like what we talked about earlier, like the villains are kind of you know like sillier than previous than the other seasons. It's like emotional stuff between the two main characters but there's not like it it, it's it feels like a lot more straightforward whereas and then you get like if you did tulip afterwards like okay now this person is more logical they're more interested in how the train actually works whereas and then like you like slowly were and you're seeing like uh, oh like things have changed like now there's like a, a everything's a lot creepier than it was in book four which i actually watched first you know like you actually get like a kind of ramping up it be where because of the fact that, like this book is a is such like a, 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 a softer tone compared to the other books. I see where you're going with that, but I would say the thing that makes book one work so well is because it's like the mystery season, right? Like yeah. you, you uh, don't agreed. understand the points of the train, and then in, in the first episode of this season, one one says like we're talking to Amelia. He's like they gotta figure out their problems on the train. She's like, well, what happens if they don't do that? He's like, oh, they die. Yeah. <laughs> that, that takes away a lot of the the mystery. That I, I guess if you take that one scene work. out, this yeah, season doesn't explain yeah. a lot, and then maybe yeah. it works fine. <laughs> Yeah, uh, in, ge- in general, this is a wonderful Infinity Train Reddit post, Alex. I think that would be <laughs> I think that's perfect discussion. <laughs> no, but then what if you get season five, it happens parallel to the season. Then what's the machete order? You know, how do you go chronologically two seasons in parallel? Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Um, okay, to re- the last thing, uh, though, like talking about um, what we're left with here um, with Infinity Train, what um, we don't get followed up on. And uh, we know from the AMA now that... Uh, Following up on this season, seeing Amelia's takeover, that would be something we would see very soon. Um, Amelia and Hazel, that's something that's kind of left as a plot thread in book three, probably. And I think Owen said that would be uh, followed up on in the last four seasons as well. 
Um, Michelle, any any pressing uh, things that you would be looking for in future Infinity Train seasons? I guess I, I'll, I mean, Owen Sammy was really helpful because he just said a lot of things people were wondering about. Um, I, I do want to point out, I think it, I think it's very strange that if the network straight up wasn't interested in adult character, just because like we, we keep saying like, oh, well this show like doesn't seem like (laughs) it's done a lot of things that aren't, um, normal for a children's show, but like, let us remember it, it, this was never intended to be cartoons, normal demographic. It very explicitly from the beginning was going to target teenagers um, and some young adults. That was always the plan. So I, I think it's interesting that the, I don't know, it part, part of me even makes me wonder, like, is it, was it just about, was the adultness as the main character being the, the thrust of book four, book five, like the thing that really did it in, or was it like several contributing factors? I'm more inclined to believe it was several contributing factors because for one thing, Amelia is like such an established character in the heart of the show already. I mean, and and if they're Hazel, Hazel would have been your, your kid point, right? Like she's still very much a child. If she was going to be in the movie too, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it, I don't know if Amelia Hazel would have also been. I'm unclear on that. He definitely said the follow up to this season, the takeover would be next season. I'm unsure if it also would have consisted on the Amelia Hazel in the present. I wonder. Um, yeah. Yeah. I feel. I, I, I felt he like he said it was, but like. Well, he he said that would definitely be addressed. I think it's it's yeah. like ambiguous. We don't know like how much of it it could have taken up. That's also, true. Also, is that season five? Is that season seven? I I don't know. Yeah. I um, I feel like. Book five would have been the last book to address any current characters besides Samantha. Because Samantha just has the wild card where she's just allowed to show up in every book. No questions asked. She's just always there, which is fantastic for her. I love seeing Samantha in different contexts. Samantha's the cats for everyone. I mean, (laughs) the thing I keep, the thing I've been waiting for every season is for someone to confront the train head on and be like, you need to stop train. But they can't do that if they want to have the rest of their show. So that makes me wonder, like, w- how is Amelia going to reconcile her life on the train? I-, I would assume that would be what a lot of the plot would be about. Like, her progression, the nuances of how she usurped one one, uh, how she's making amends now. If she does get her number down, what's she going to do when she's 45 and doesn't know anyone on earth anymore and could maybe go back. Will she choose to, or will she choose to stay on the train? I feel like, I mean, that's so interesting and compelling. I definitely want to see that. It. I don't know where the show would go after that though. Honestly, it's, it's really interesting, but I mean, Amelia is such a fan favorite, especially since we all know she's buff now, like who's not going to want to watch a whole movie with her in it. Pre-buff Amelia. Does she get buff yeah. in, in the season? People in... were thirsting on young Amelia too in this mm. season. And I was <laughs> like, well, okay. Yeah, young Amelia and old Amelia. Everyone's got something that works for them. <laughs> Everyone's got something. Uh, Alex, any any elements you'd be eager to be addressed? Um, yeah, I mean, just, I, I think just in general, I want to see like how the, the, the little conversation we got between Amelia and one one, I found very interesting. And I would like to see more of that because like a big, a big interesting thing from book one was right. Like once one one got his stuff back, like Tulip didn't really have that much time to interrogate you until like she's the character that so far we've known that like 
is questioning the most. I guess Lake also does this to an extent near the end of of her season uh, of her season as well. So like get, getting Amelia like drilling one one and like what what compels her to like take over beside like because it's I would hope it's not as one dimensional as just needing Ulrich back. But like I, I may, there's like some digging into like what the train overall is doing. I, I I would I would be very game to see that happen. Yeah, because Amelia seems like the one in the best position at this point to interrogate the trade head on. She has the most reason to. She's spent the most time there. She's the biggest threat the train's ever had. So I would I would love for her to confront the train. But also, Dennison writes, when is that happening? Yeah. That's my only other thing. Like, can we have a season about Dennison's being like, yo, this kind of sucks for us. We don't want to do this anymore. Well, that, that, that's used. where Hazel could come in. That's true. Hazel's a perfect. That's true. It all connects together. Yeah, I think that. I think that'd be good. Um, I yeah, I feel. I feel like most of what I want the show isn't going to be interested in. I really want to see the origins of the train. Um, Ooh. like, is this really a primordial force that has been there <laughs> for question. all of Earth? That that feels like an origin of the diamonds from Steven Universe. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm, I always want this. I always want this. I feel like it's more re- even even more relevant with the train, but based on Owen's answers in the AMA, it seems like he's not interested in this. Um, or at least they wouldn't be in the show. Um, not the end, maybe. Last but it's like that's the way to address why is this train like putting people. He did say like wh- what might be addressed next season is um, what 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 what's the passenger selection like? Why do they pick up certain people? Like, oh, how that, that works. would be interesting to so know. So he said that would be next season. But it's like why does the why does this is there a train that picks up people? Like I I want to know this uh, because this is the <laughs> most uh, unbelievable part of the show. You just have to accept it, which you can. But uh, it would be nice to see it. Um, I also want to, I don't know, I'd love, love to see Lake again. I'll follow up on Lake, mm. uh, but I don't think we're going to follow up on people who are off screen. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, though, I feel like the Denizen conversation, in this podcast, yeah, that would be in terms of realistically what we'd address. And I do think the show has been consistently interested in that, um, and to varying extents. So seeing that continued would be really great. Um, yeah. So hopefully at some point in the future, we could get some of these things. Uh, Michelle. Uh, I, I, oh. yes, I just want to say, in that AMA, I think uh, Owen also like alluded to the, the the last book. They were like throwing around, like, "What if it was somebody with Alzheimer's?" It was like, "Oh yeah, no!" Yeah, fantastic. We get like some old man on the train with all these old man regrets because he lived a long time. He's made a lot of mistakes for like seventy years, and then he decides like. Maybe just dying on this train's the best I can do, and then he makes peace with that. That'd be so. Uh. That'd be so intense. What an evolution for the show to end there. Yeah, we'll look for that in twenty thirty. Uh, <laughs> that is the ending of the invasion. That'd <laughs> <laughs> be good. Um, Michelle, any other topics from this season? Um. Not from this season. I think honestly, the last thing on my wish list would be that, like, if they, I don't know, if they intentionally did make gay characters, that that'd be cool, or just even like queer queer characters umbrella in general. Um, just having it be explicit enough to be undeniable. I feel like that's something we're still we're getting more and more of it. But um, if they ever decided to just go all ham then this show truly would have everything for me. Uh, but even without it, it's it's still a great show. And every season's been very, very good. And, like, honestly, like, I think it is a testament to Book 4 specifically that 
<laughs> everyone watched it and then immediately angrily demanded more. That's like, you know, it's not like they watched it and were like, oh, this isn't good. Never mind. I don't care about this show. Literally the opposite happened. Everyone just like doubled down on being like, yo, we're going to get this trending. We're going to sign all these petitions. Like everyone's talking about it constantly still. And that's pretty remarkable. And I mean, I, Whatever happens to Infinity Train, like, it's pretty clear at this point, it's going to be one of those tentpole shows that a lot of people making and working in animation will now point to to be like, look, they did it. Let us do things like that. The way that Over the Garden Wall was. And I think that that's like, you know, for for the sake of animation's future, that's already such an accomplishment and they have every reason to be super proud of what they did because it's gonna it's gonna hold up i think this show's gonna hold up very very well um in the future and that's like the best you can do really just something that feels timeless i feel like infinity train's pretty close to that you know yeah that's a good comparison i could totally see it being an over the garden wall type show in the uh animation community everyone um, points to that show they're always like over the everyone crowd. always talks about it mm-hmm. yeah infinity yeah. train doesn't quite have a season though right because like over the garden wall it always comes up around like halloween fall time like what's what's yeah. the infinity train season like middle middle of winter <laughs> yeah we gotta agree on uh time to rewatch it every year yeah so. <laughs> that would be that would be the ticket um yeah no i think it, i think we could see this having a continued cult following for a while and i think that would be the key to bring it back to um that's the type of that would you be see the key potentially back. come back continued yeah. passion like i know everyone's trending it on twitter now and that's like great it's they're not going to make it right now and on working on other projects if if it's trending in like two years i feel like that's the you know that's the thing to look out for um alex any any final thoughts yeah, just the if if Infinity Train, if this is all we get of Infinity Train, it's still like one of the one of the best shows that's uh, that's come out in the these uh, in this decade of <laughs> of television. Like the the mystery of Book One and the the delving into like identity of uh, books uh, two and and the relationship drama of three and four. Uh, like all, it just whenever it decides on a theme, it goes all in and it it. it like it digs into them pr- pretty well, no matter what they what they choose. So uh, and uh, lots of fun supporting characters. Like uh, the the lore is is deep enough that it like gets you to think. To the fact that we've had several podcasts like an hours long talking about the ins and outs of like how does the train work. Like the fact that we're it's so ma- invested. It's, yeah, it's made it interesting enough for us to want to like dig into that stuff. Like uh, is a real testament to the show's uh, show's power. So I, I uh, the the fact that the, this final book is one that focuses on like a personal relationship more than the train itself, I think is honestly like a reflection of like how versatile the the show has been over the course of its run. So um, it, it, it was it was a it was a fun season. Uh, all, all the seasons are, are great, and uh, I will miss Infinity Train. Uh, uh, ho- hopefully, the hiatus isn't a decade long, but you know. Uh, I'll I'll try to make peace with that. <laughs> we'll yeah, all man. die on this hill together. I'm prepared. Yeah, yeah. Just be like, yeah. when book five comes out, when when it comes every, out, yeah, exactly. yeah, when it comes out, all the questions will be answered. 
Are we going to be pulled onto the train in order to deal with our uh, our unresolved feelings of Infinity Train? I, I hope they bring us that'd on. That'd be very meta. Well, I hope they bring us on with our phones so that we can like film the train and then we can like film our own season. You know, like uh, it'll be like first person. Oh, are you view. saying they're going to do a found Ooh. footage season? Oh my that'd god, a really found footage season would be amazing. Oh <laughs> uh, god, imagine if we could, like meet up with a gome, like uh, just coming at us. Oh while yeah, gomes there. Yeah. Well, that was something I wanted to talk about. How they get made right we still don't know that yeah. and why yeah, they self-destruct yeah. when they suck someone's soul out that's a whole other yeah. thing uh, real big lack of those cockroach fellas in this season <laughs> cockroach. yeah that's right they, i think they decided like you know fellas. what we need to be in a positive headspace for this season yeah. after what we put ourselves through last season no yeah. gomes just no gomes allowed for ryan and min they're gonna have a happy time on this train yeah, no go. Yeah, I, I I appreciated no gums. This was <laughs> I I appreciated the season, and yeah, I agree. Infinity Train has done so many different things uh, throughout the four seasons. All of them are very good, and uh, it's, a, it's a great show. We'd love to see more, but also great in its own right. What we got from it, um, and including the season, which I I, I was uh, very very much enjoyed. So, let us know your thoughts on. Well, everything we talked about from Infinity Train Book 4, everything that uh, you might want to see addressed by the show if uh, if and when it does come back in the future, as we we're talking about. Um, and uh, anything else about Infinity Train in the comments, wherever you're listening to this, uh, check out OverlyAnimated.com for our previous Infinity Train podcast or all our other podcasts uh, there as well. Um, you can consider supporting us via Patreon at Patreon.com slash OverlyAnimated. Thanks to all our current patrons, especially our patron of podcast, Needle. And thanks as always to our patron executive producers, Ryan, Steve, Beatrice, Hugh, Michael, Needle, and Phonician. Um, yes, that is it for Infinity Train. I'm sure we will reference it in many a discussion moving forward. Um, Every so, time we mention a hype train, that will be that, in our thoughts. Exactly. Yeah, the, the, the hype train, Infinity Train. And uh, characters. probably be on it but it's still a hype train for us. <laughs> yeah pretty depressing train honestly not really a hype train <laughs> talk about lake a lot i'm sure i'm sure a lot of these other characters um talk so yeah, about uh, onions onions yeah she eats onions a tulip <laughs> yeah does that mean lake was forced to eat like mere onions wow this, this is the lore discussion sad. we need to get into yeah, i didn't remember that part of season one but okay <laughs> Okay. Uh, yeah. And uh, so we'll see when we revisit Infinity Train. Uh, the, we Next podcast, like I said, look out for our podcast on Ladybug Shanghai Special. Thank you guys for listening. We will see you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.